Hello and welcome to the Disenfranchised Podcast, where that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, and joining me as always, the only man I want by my side if I'm going off to hunt a hitman, it's my co-host Brett Wright. Hi, Brett. Hello, Stephen. How are we doing tonight, sir? I'm doing all right, man. It's been a long week and it's only Tuesday. I was about to say the exact same thing. I was particularly exhausted today and someone called me on it and I said, you know what? Tuesdays are especially hard when your Monday is a week long. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when your Tuesday feels like a Thursday. Yeah. Nothing, nothing ruins Friday like finding out it's Tuesday. Uh, yep. so, so there you go. That's 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 been my day. Uh, but Brett, we're we're about to to take an upswing here because we are talking about the final film in our all about Arnold April. We have covered uh, really some highs and lows this month. We we covered Red Sonia. We covered Last Action Hero. We covered True Lies. This week, Brett, we're finishing out the month talking about what movie? Well, we're finishing out this very thorough career retrospective. I would say. I would agree. With uh, Killing Gunther from 2017. What is this movie? Right. This movie that officially, let me check my notes here, does not exist. Um, it is written, uh, 2017's Killing Gunther, written and directed by Taron Killam. And starring, quote unquote, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, and along with Taron Killam, Bobby Moynihan, Hannah Simone, Peter Kellamus, Aaron Yu, Paul Britton, Amir Talai. Uh, Steve Basic, uh, Ryan Gall, Allison Tolman, uh, Colby Smolder, Kobe Smolders, excuse me, and Aubrey Sixto. Um, what a cast, Brett. What a picture. <laughs> yeah, the cast is just a mix of like, hey, I know that person. Who is that? I have and never I've seen never seen this before. person before. Yeah. But nobody that's like, other than Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, right. nobody that's like, Holy crap, they're in this movie. But let me like this movie feels like if they had had a bigger budget, this would have been littered with cameos. A hundred percent. This is a hundred percent the kind of movie you would expect to just have to just be like wall to wall cameos. I mean, your biggest names are Taron Killam, Bobby Moynihan, uh, Kobe Smulders, and maybe Hannah Simone if you're a new girl fan. Uh, but two of those, Taryn and Bobby are from SNL, Hannah from New Girl, obviously. And then you've got Kobe Smulders from How I Met Your Mother. If you know the Fargo TV show, you know Allison Tolman. But that's about it. And that's that is about it for, I would say, more than two thirds of this movie's runtime, really. And I, honestly, I, I feel like more people at this point know Kobe Smulders from and the MCU. That's a good point. My introduction mother. to her was how I met your mother, but that is a yeah. very fair point. Maria Hill in uh in the MCU. That that is a good call. Uh but yeah, we are we are talking about 2017's Killing Gunther, um a movie that we had not heard of until we went on a bit of a deep dive trying to find uh, movies to cover for this month. There was a there were a couple others that we tossed around and, and kicked around, but we liked the idea of just doing the full career retrospective from early Arnold to late Arnold. And so 2017's Killing Gunther, it was. Which 
Because yeah, like after his post political career, the man didn't do a whole lot, and when he did, it wasn't he didn't want to you know he didn't want to kick off a franchise. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Let's let's actually take a look real quick. Uh, let's do our Arnold check in, which was kind of how we've begun every episode this month. Um, so we talked last week uh, about kind of his post True Lies building up to. Uh, his political career, which, I mean, he pretty much stops acting proper around 2003 um, with Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines. He has a brief cameo in the rundown where he literally like taps in The Rock as the next great action star, apparently. And then he's got a glorified cameo in uh, Around the World in 80 Days and The King and I. After that, he doesn't do anything for five years until 2010. Kid and I is in 2005. 2010, he has a cameo, an uncredited cameo in The Expendables. Two years after that, he's in The Expendables 2. And then he starts showing up in other things. The Last Stand, Escape Plan, Sabotage, Expendables 3, um... He's in an episode of Two and a Half Men, apparently. But at this point, he is not back on his... I mean, he's not back at his previous levels of stardom, obviously. No, he's just kind of... He's taking a... It feels like a victory lap. Let's be honest. It he's, does. He's just doing what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And not, you know, he doesn't want to be a big action star anymore. Right. He just wants to make some movies and have some fun. About the only thing he will consistently come back for these days uh, are the Terminator films. He's in Terminator Genesis in 2015. Uh, he's in Dark Fate in 2019. Um, and between those, he makes uh, this movie, Killing Gunther, um, where he plays the titular Gunther, who is the world's greatest hitman. It- <laughs> Yeah, uh, sure. You know, I mean, this is just <laughs> this, this is just a comedy version of Polar. Is what this is. I mean, yeah, it 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 really is. It's 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 Polar if Polar had some comedy to it uh, beyond just the the shenanigans of the the hitman. Here, yes, the hitman have shenanigans, but it, if Mads Mikkelsen's character was also really funny, that it, this would be that for sure. Yeah, so as you might, you know, if you've listened to our Polar episode, you might imagine uh, Stephen and I have differing opinions about this film. Yeah, if you li- honestly, if you listen to our Polar episode, you know exactly how this episode's going to shake out. Because for some reason, and I don't know why, but bungling Hitman going after a better, more experienced Hitman is apparently 100% my shit. I have no idea why, it just is. Uh, so there you go. Which I mean, in this movie, they are absolutely bumbling. In Polar, they're not exactly bumbling. They're I just, mean, they're not effective, but no, no. But well, I mean, not as effective as they could be. No, they're yeah. I just this movie gives off some real strong Ghostbusters twenty sixteen energy, and I think which again, another movie that, that I am on record as being in favor of. And I mean, look, I'm I'm more in favor of it than I thought I was. Than you uh, used to be, for sure. Yeah, than I used to be, or you know, your average Ghostbusters fan is. Mm-hmm. Um, but shout out Afterlife getting a sequel officially announced. Yeah, let's go. Sure, um, excited about it. But, I'm, uh, glad. I'm glad you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as you should be. Anyway, just yeah, I, 
we'll get into my further opinions about this movie later, but I won't go into it now. But. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, look, this is a movie that essentially for all intents and purposes does not exist. This is not a movie that I think we, neither you nor I had ever heard of this movie. We, that's the thing, right? We were looking at all these movies and like, this is literally the only one in his post political career that could maybe have gotten a sequel kind of just because there's maybe a little bit of a sequel hook at the end. Right. There, there's a, a crazy credit sequel hook. Um, yeah. But, but also, I mean, here's the thing. We probably could have covered one of his two Terminator movies, uh, either Genesis or dark fate, because here's the thing about the Terminator franchise. And I will mention this again uh, for our patrons on our unenfranchised episode for this month, which we at this time of recording have not recorded yet, but the Terminator franchise is essentially after the third Terminator movie, it's just a series of reboots. Like it's it's reboot attempt after reboot attempt after reboot attempt. And none of them are good enough to warrant the sequels that they're hoping for. Not a single one of them. Which is insane to me. But it, yeah, I mean, so te- I mean, they're technically sequels, but each of those is a reboot in and of itself, which, again, is wild that they could not nail a franchise that seems that slam dunkable honestly because they they want to play fast and loose with continuity it's like they wrote themselves into a corner right like cameron wrote them into a corner but yes well sure yeah so like they have to fix stupid happy ending (laughs) like that's the problem he wrote them into a corner and they didn't know how to get out of it. So now they've just been fumbling around trying to figure out how to get out of it and failing every time. Right. But those first two movies are so damn successful that, I mean, we've got, we've got to do them like we've got to do them again. Right. We've got to have a third one, but the second one ended happily. So what are we going to do? We're just going to undo it all somehow. When like just back to the future has already talked at this point, it already talked about a multiple alternate timelines. Mm hmm. All, all, all you need is just say this is an alternate timeline, and then write the story from there. That's but, all. But yeah, there have been after after the third Terminator movie, there are four attempts at rebooting that franchise. None of them are particularly successful. There are three movies and one television series, and uh, oof, big damn oof. What's crazy to me is I couldn't make the one in the future work, because like, that's that's all you do. That's what Star Wars did. Yeah, like we just go back. Go back, go way back before mm-hmm. all of this. Yeah. So Terminator, go way in the forward. Wait, go way forward. We are a hundred percent going to be talking about Terminator Genesis one of these days, or Terminator. I'm sorry, that one's Terminator Salvation. Sorry, we are a hundred percent going to be talking about Terminator Salvation one of these days because that one is the most, the most obvious reboot. Like they're really, really trying. It was supposed to kick off its own uh, like trilogy of uh, of Terminator films, and of course, it didn't work. Um, so I mean, you'd think it would be the one that would, um, you know, it, with and with a with a director at the helm as talented and and visionary as McGee, um, you would expect it to take off. And yet, and yet, what, Brett, was it was that the one with Christian Bale? Yeah, it was. That's uh, that, that's the one with the infamous behind the scenes audio of Christian Bale yelling at a dude. Yeah, yelling at a lighting guy who's like dropping, who's trying to do lighting setup in the middle of a scene. Um, and like everyone was like, oh, Christian Bale, man, he's he's, you know, really horrible to work with on set or whatever. And then you talk to anyone on the crew and they're like, no, that guy does that all the time. He's terrible about that. Like just just walking in and just wrecking shots. And I'm sure at that point, like 
Bailey had enough and he's like, you know what? You know what? We'll talk about that when we get to Terminator <laughs> Genesis or Terminator Salvation. Fuck. Uh, no, and man, nobody can keep those names straight. It's hey, there it's all Terminator and then a word, except for the latest one, which is Terminator Dark Fate. Right. You gotta get a little bit more edgy with it. Yeah. Uh so there, I mean, you know, Judgment Day had two words. Uh, you know, the real one that screwed it up is is Terminator 3, because that subtitle is Rise of the Machines. That's four fucking words. Who's got time to read all that? Just show me the damn movie. Yeah, it's way ahead of its time. <laughs> it's something. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> <clears throat> Literally and figuratively. Right. But we are not here to talk about... I mean, yes, we could have covered a Terminator movie, but we're not here to talk about the Terminator movies, because no, we opted instead to talk about 2017's Killing Gunther. Honestly, I'm surprised it took us this long to talk about the Terminator movies. I, you know, <laughs> I kind of am too. <laughs> it, it took us the whole month to get here. Uh, so but, I'm okay with that. Well, we got here. And and here's the thing. Our patrons have some extra Terminator content coming from us at the end of the month too. So They do. Please go subscribe. Patreon.com slash disenfranchpod. Uh, at the end of the month, on the 30th, we've got our um unenfranchised episode uh our kind of capper at the end of the month uh all all about arnold april uh and we're going to talk about terminator 3 rise of the machines um yeah yeah. the first the first terminator movie to kill the franchise exactly as opposed to all the other subsequent ones that killed it anew over and over and over um but we're not here to talk about those because we're here to talk about brett 2017's killing Gunther. And I think because at this point, we're just ready to get into the movie. So before we do that, though, we really need to do our due diligence and discuss uh, the plot of this film. And if we can sum it up, maybe in like, I don't know, like a minute, like 60 seconds feels like a good time. Let's do a plot synopsis in 60 seconds. Let's do the plot in 60 seconds. Brett, are you ready? That is a genius idea. Let's do it. All right. So in order to decide which of us will be recounting the plot of 2017's Killing Gunther, we're going to flip the coin of justice. I have pulled the coin of justice from the velvet pillow on which it resides and is now ready to be flipped into the air end over end uh, until it determines which of us will be recounting the plot. Brett, if you could call it in the air, please. Heads. And it is tails. Yep. Which means... I am. I am doing the plot in sixty seconds. That's okay. I, I <laughs> this is like early disenfranchised shtick where I like forget <laughs> what the coin flip means. Well, we haven't done one in the last couple of weeks. That's true. Yeah. In, we gotta... in, be- in between then and now, our last coin flip and now, I have done three sixty-second plot synopses on this and other podcasts. So. Um, <laughs> it's been a busy week how, how it worked just left your brain look i get it there's not enough room for everything up there no so. and, I've, and lord knows i've got enough to worry about these days um so let's go ahead i've got i've got 60 seconds on the on the clock for you brett so you let me know when you're ready and i'll go ahead and start that time all right i'm going to uh take a chance here even though i just watched this movie a few hours ago i'm gonna do it without just on the fly. Let's see what happens. Do it without a net. All right. Well, in that case, sir, your time starts now. All right. So we're following a documentary crew as they follow around Blake, who's decided he's going to get together a team of assassins to kill this infamous best assassin in the world, 
uh, named Gunther. Uh, so he assembles a ragtag team of other assassins, bottom of the barrels. Everybody else turned him down. Um, and through a series of shenanigans, uh, each one of these members gets killed off one at a time because Gunther just outsmarts them at every step. Um, uh, but uh, 30 seconds. So at some, but at some point, uh, they think that they might have killed Gunther, so they celebrate. Turns out they didn't. Um, and by this point, most of them are dead, uh, except for two of them who hook up and have are having a baby, so they leave. Uh, but they finally track down Gunther after realizing Gunther. he wasn't dead. Um, they track him down. They try to kill him. Gunther outsmarts them. Um, and then Blake disappears, but he finds him in Austria. Time. That's That didn't really... Yeah. Man, the middle of this movie gets a little muddy. It like... does. It does for sure. Yeah. Uh, so the beginning of this movie is, I mean, it it's like an hour over an hour of like, we're going to get Gunther. We're going to find Gunther. We're going to kill Gunther. We killed Gunther. No, wait, we didn't No Gunther outsmarted us. Oh, wait, we're starting to die off one by one. Like it's kind of this. And then the last half hour of this movie is Arnold showing up and go, yeah, but do you want them to hide it? Yeah, which is great. I just want to see his documentary. I want to see Gunther's documentary. I, I kind of do too. So I like the mock. I am a big fan, Brett. And I, let me, let me ask you this. Cause obviously there's no like pre-established um, like uh property here. Uh, Taron Killam. This is his first uh, film that he's directed. So, I mean, there's no, you know, Oh, what are your thoughts on Taron Killam? Um, but let me, let me ask you uh, this. What are your thoughts on mockumentaries? Uh, hit or miss. I would say. Okay. Um, <clears throat> depends on what we're talking about because we're talking about Spinal Tap. Amazing. Hell yeah. I would say maybe the best of the genre. But, I mean, if we're talking about this, uh, maybe not so much. Uh, right. I think the word you're looking for here is incredible. Uh, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't even go that far. That's no, fine. I would hope not. Yeah, no. Uh, um, but, but at the same time, I'm thinking like I was trying to think of another example and I couldn't. Other, other than The Office, which is kind of abandons the idea after a while but kind of doesn't i mean they do but they don't they do but they don't yeah so i the movies of christopher guest from about um waiting for guffman onward you've got waiting for guffman you've got best in show um you've got a mighty wind uh and then to lesser extent for your consideration and mascots um, but all of those kind of have that mockumentary vibe. One of my favorite mockumentaries, uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous, is another one that I think is absolutely fantastic. Um, so, I mean, I am in particular, I'm pretty fond of the genre. So for my money, when I when I discovered in the first moments of this film that it's a mockumentary, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm excited because I like mockumentaries. I think they're really fun. I was surprised that this was a mockumentary. But again, uh, here's the thing. Like, we went into this one completely blind. Yeah, I, I honestly went into this one with a pretty open mind. Mm-hmm. Like, I like I like Terry and Killam. I like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. I like the cast. Right. Cast is, is honestly pretty solid. And then I don't I don't really know at what point it hit just untenable for me. Uh it just was not as funny as I expected it to be. Probably when I realized Bobby Moynihan was in it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, it's going to be this kind of movie." 
this is honestly and uh, f- to to be very clear you find out bobby moynihan is in this movie like two minutes in yeah so two so, minutes in you were out on this i mean two minutes in uh, my open mind was starting to close <laughs> pretty quickly uh not that bobby moynihan's bad he's very funny on snl but if you put it in and here's here's my thoughts on this movie this movie feels like an snl skit that goes on for way too long um i i get that i do I, and see, I am I, Bobby Moynihan for me is pretty hit or miss. Like, I'm not a Bobby Moynihan stan. He's not like, oh, gosh, every time he's in a movie, I'm like, I'm there for it. Um, I'm more like, you know, sometimes he's good. Sometimes I don't really care for what he's doing. Um, but in this, for whatever reason, I just his vibe was 100 percent like what I like out of Bobby Moynihan. Like he wasn't blowing anything out of proportion he wasn't overselling anything in fact i think feel like more than anything he was underplaying which i really enjoy out of him so yeah and i would agree i he definitely surprised me Mm -hmm. um like i i was legitimately like the scene in the park where he's he's dressed as a woman to hide from from uh what's her what's her name's father uh Uh, yeah uh, from uh sana's father sana sana that's her name I thought for some reason, I thought that entire scene where they're talking was incredibly well acted. It was so fun. The reveal of him was hysterical because the whole movie, he's been wearing a baseball cap and a full beard. And then he's you see him only from behind and he's got like a wig and a dress. And they're and he's like, oh, is that you? And he sits down and don't sit next to me. And he kind of scoots away and he's Blake says something and he turns around. It's just he's got the wig on over his baseball cap and the bill is like sticking out the front. That killed me. I love and that. So still, much. still full beard and everything. Yep. It's 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 an incredible reveal. I but, thought it was really fun. But that, that's testament to, I guess, what I didn't like about this movie is that that scene and also Hannah Simone's acting in general. Really, they stand out because the rest of this movie is it's just not great. I was shocked that there was a piece of legitimately good acting because I wasn't used to it the rest of the movie until Arnold shows up and then he's doing Arnold things and I'm right. on board. Here's the thing. This is and I said this to you before we started recording, but I need to repeat it because we we just we tend to burn a lot of good content before we get on on mic so we gotta we gotta bring it back we gotta pu- pull it into the episode and that, that's steven's transparency usually i'll just say it again without telling you that's true <laughs> i was twice this episode can you guess what it was yeah i i may not even remember <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how my night's going everybody Ooh, oh boy oh. um but um oh shit i was about to say something i'd said before and i don't remember what it was damn it uh-oh, I threw him off. My bad. No, you're, That's good, you're on good. me. That's on me, everybody. Um, we were talking we were, we had talked about a couple of other Arnold action comedies this month. We talked about True Lies, which I loved, um, and Brett enjoyed. We talked about Last Action Hero, which Brett loves, and I enjoyed. This one I think might be Arnold at his funniest, despite those both being way better movies. Uh I would I think Arnold is gonna be way funnier in this one uh, or is way funnier in this one, like, or at least more like winky, jokey, goofy in this one than he is in either of those other two films. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. The man is singing a whole ass country song. 
which plays over the end credits. Yes, my God. If you want to hear an Arnold Schwarzenegger act or a country single, watch this movie or just fast forward to the credits uh, if you don't want to watch the whole thing. Honestly, I thought it was a lot of fun. Brett didn't think so. Uh, but seriously, like, or find the clip on YouTube of him singing it. It's fantastic. It's so funny. It's ridiculous in the best way. It is because the the lyrics are completely absurd and it's the worst country song I've ever heard. And Arnold is a bad singer, but for some reason you put all of that together and it's comedy gold. Like, I don't know how, I don't know why, but also the energy that he's giving off. And let's be very clear. Arnold does not show up until 67 minutes into this movie. He is on the poster. He is first build. He is dead center, middle of the poster of this movie. And yet he does not show up until 67 minutes in this movie, which does this movie a disservice because he is... You, the entire movie, he's not on screen, and all you're doing is asking, "Where's Arnold?" That's what I was doing. I was like, "When right. is he going to show up? Are they going to like tease him? Are we going to see him?" But no, no. The answer to that all. question is no. We're not. They 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 go through. They jump through so many hoops to make him not seen. Exactly, and it's honestly, it's kind of impressive. Like when you get to the last thirty minutes, and Arnold's like, "Okay, but here's how I did the whole thing." Um, it's kind of impressive how they managed to, uh, quote unquote, hide him in plain sight. When, of course, the way they did that was to cast him as cast other actors as his character for, for the whole movie. He was um, just in disguise. Even even a bartender who is just, you know, a very slender, slim woman, mm-hmm. long, you know, is. You would never guess that that was Arnold Schwarzenegger. In she she stands up, steps off camera, pulls off a mask, and the next thing you know, the camera pans over, and it's Arnold in a nightie, um, just looking like Arnold, but wearing a nightie, and it's really funny. It's a great reveal. Like The way that they handle all of that just kind of juices the last 30 minutes and imbues them with like some really incredible energy. Um, I don't think it's out of line, and I think anyone who watches this movie would probably agree. The last half hour of this movie is when it really starts humming. Yeah, to the point where I wish this was the entire movie. Uh, right. This feels like it, it feels like this was this last half hour was the spark for this movie, mm-hmm. and then they just wrote backwards, uh, which to is get a, to this point, which honestly is entirely possible. Um, th- this. Is uh, Taron Killam's first and to date only film that he has written and directed uh, and starred in for that matter. Um, but this is kind of like his his only project that he's done. Apparently, um, Arnold's role was 20 percent of the movie's budget. That tracks that which is absolutely tracks. But uh, again, it feels like they didn't get him for a lot of time. So they kind of needed to make it count. Otherwise, if they if he had been in the whole movie, this movie would have been untenable like it would have been completely off the rails like they they would not have had the budget to afford anything else pretty much it seems like so they probably got him for like a few days on this movie and that what they what they shot was what they got fortunately what they shot with arnold is really good yeah even early on in this movie i was going this this would be so much better if they had a bigger budget yeah from like the, the the special effects to 
just you know like i said earlier this should have been littered with cameos Mm -hmm. like you like every every character that comes in for like a two to three line role and then dies could have been someone relatively famous and given killam's connection to snl probably they probably could have gotten a few of those people as well yeah, but they, I mean, they clearly couldn't afford it with Arnold on, it, on the bill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that and that's the problem. And here's the thing. You write a role like Gunther and you need a big name to pull that role off. They had a couple – they offered the role to a couple of other people prior to – this is according to an interview Taron Killam did with Conan O'Brien. But apparently – any guesses as to who might have been offered the role of Gunther, Brad? Uh, well, I mean, first you got to start running down other action stars. So I mean, you go. Okay, here's 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 the clue that I gave you earlier. Um, one of them I think could have pulled off the comedy, but not the action as much. The other could have pulled off the action, but not so much the comedy. Right, I remember those clues, and they don't help me at all. One um, of them is an established action star who has been mentioned earlier in this miniseries. The Rock. Not The Rock. Not this episode, but earlier in this uh, this series of, of episodes. Earlier this month. I mean, it, I'm pretty sure we mentioned The Rock earlier in this series. Sure. But we also um, mentioned him earlier in this episode. Sure. Uh, uh, this is this is an action star that I myself admitted to uh, potentially being my favorite action star of all time. Uh, it's not, is it Sylvester Stallone? It's not Sylvester Stallone. It's not Sylvester Stallone. I would say this actor is a better actor than Sylvester Stallone. An actor who very recently and publicly retired. That doesn't help me either. Um, there's going to be a lot of dead air with me just sitting here thinking, so let's due not to, do that. Due to an, the reveal of an illness. Ah, Bruce Willis. Yes. So they offered it to Bruce Willis, who I think could have done the action, but probably not the comedy as well. Bruce Willis, I think, is a very funny man, but his later roles um, uh, seem a bit humorless. And I think this probably would have been a more humorless Bruce Willis. And that definitely would not have worked. No, I agree. The other actor, perhaps one of the biggest celebrities in the world, one of the biggest actors, um, uh, a a role, uh, an actor that everyone in America has a particular fondness for. Uh, Well, that's probably one of two people. That's either going to be Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise. You're definitely right. Which of those would be able to pull off comedy, but not action? Probably Tom Hanks. Yeah, it's Tom Hanks. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Tom Hanks could do anything. Let's be honest. Uh, but I mean, I, Tom Cruise is definitely more the he could pull off the action, but doesn't really seem to have much of a sense of humor, uh, except for Tropic Thunder, which he is paradoxically hilarious. In. I, was, I was about to say, uh, hold on. Tropic Thunder exists. Tropic Thunder would like a word, sir. No, I I actually like Tropic Thunder more than most people. Uh, and part of the reason I love it to the extent that I do is because of Tom Cruise in that movie. That's fair. But that having been said, um, I think Arnold, of those three actors, Tom Hanks, Bruce Willis, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think Arnold is the right choice because of the manic comedic energy that he's bringing to the last half hour of this movie. I agree. I absolutely agree. And also, we get the hilarious scene of him in Austria just, like, chilling with old people, Mm. which I feel like is an authentic scene. Like, that's actually him interacting with, like, elderly Austrian folks, just, like, it feels hanging like, out. Yeah, sure. Now, this movie was filmed entirely in Vancouver, Canada. So, you know, maybe not. But 
I mean, it definitely, and he's like wearing lederhosen. Is that, That's, am I remembering that correctly? Oh, oh, you're remembering it correctly. All right. Yes. <laughs> Hilarious. Which, I'm, I'm sorry. Just the idea of, of Arnold in like lederhosen, like that traditional, like German garb, just pure, pure comedy for me. Yeah. Just the, the, the costumes, mm-hmm. the costume designs for him at the end of this movie, just, and the hair. Can we talk about the hair for a let's, second? Let's talk about the hair, Brad. Talk about the hair. <laughs> What's going on? What, <laughs> who made that decision? Um, I, I have. Here's the thing about this movie. Because this movie is so non-existent, there's like nothing out there about this movie. Like I have looked and there is not. I mean, you get a couple of interviews with Taron Killam and that's about it. Like there's not much uh, in this movie uh, on about this movie and how and it's making or anything like that so like all that context that i usually try to get into i i I can't in this one there's just nothing there um so in terms of who made that decision i have no idea there's a part of me that wants to say it was arnold like this that was that strikes me as an arnold decision like i would like my hair to do the weird thing you know where they have the sides really short and then it goes and then swoops back at the top yeah i mean he's doing he's definitely going for that like hipster german look yes like yeah that continental hipster weirdo kind of look like the tiny glass tiny sunglasses yeah the tiny completely circular sunglasses yes yeah like that's a hundred percent what 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 we're doing in this movie and honestly he looked pretty good i mean he did look you can look he's old you can tell he's old yeah but he's he's not the man he used to be but he's he's as good now as he ever was. Yeah, dude, man, man is doing it. He's mm-hmm. ripping refrigerator doors off and yeah, he is. people with it. <laughs> <laughs> not missing a bit. I did not expect him to rip off a refrigerator door and throw in Tyrion character. Yeah, it's 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 honestly it's really fun. It's really good. It's like, I mean, he's essentially playing like the John Wick kind of role for all intents and purposes. If John Wick were like really really funny and not bent on revenge. Um, like he's just, I mean, he's just a man who's very good at his job and he's got, you know, some great lines like, hello, FBI. Yes. I would like to report a hitman. Um, beautiful. Like what the hell is that line? I don't know, but I love it. Which the, the, if you the subtitles, if you read the subtitles of that, you, you can tell that the person on the other end of the FBI is just casual. Like, yes, this is the FBI. <laughs> How can I help you? <laughs> I would like to report a hitman. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. <laughs> and also, there's in that scene where he he calls the FBI. He's like recount. He's basically doing what he does on commentaries that he's on, where he just like watches the movie and is like, "Oh, in this scene, they're going to do this thing." Like, "Oh my god, did they just kill my driver and my assistant? Those bastards!" Like, he's just, like, narrating everything that's going on outside the window. And I'm like, Arnold, I love how excited you are, because it feels like you're actually excited about this. Which is why I want to see, I I would want the sequel to be Gunther's documentary. Right. Honestly, I have an idea for what the sequel could have potentially been, given the title uh, that they came up with for uh, the sequel. So here's, here's the sequel hook to this movie. Um, at the, at the, after all is after it's all said and done one year after the events of the, of the film, um, cause that's the thing a lot of mockumentaries do They'll They'll skip ahead in time and show you what's happening now since the documentary. 
Um, Blake has pretty much gone on the run and he's not been seen or heard from anybody for a year. Um, and Sanaa and Bobby Moynihan are happy together. They have a child and um, Gunther is just living his best life. And um, out of nowhere, for no apparent reason, Blake just you see him like round the corner in the back of the shot and he, he gives Gunther two to the chest. And then you find out uh, that Gunther has rigged himself with explosives and blows himself, Blake and the documentary crew uh, to hell. Uh, except there's a press conference later in the movie and you pan over uh, across the sea of reporters and wait, who's that when that curly wig and those weird glasses is that it is it's Gunther. He's still alive. He somehow survived a point blank explosion of a strap to his own body. Uh, I mean, the, the man is a master of disguise. Who's to say he's not a master escape artist as well? Despite the fact that we're given no evidence in this film, I would 100% believe that. Yeah, he does. He does pull a Batman there <laughs> right before Blake shoots him. He just disappears. Yep. It, it's pretty incredible. Um, I mean, and that's the and that's why you need an actor of Arnold's caliber, because the whole first hour of this movie is everyone talking about how good a hitman Gunther is, how good an assassin he is. Uh, and then we start to see evidence of how good an assassin he is. Like when he just starts picking off this band of assassins one by one, um, you know, he shoots the, the informant in the head with a sniper rifle, um, you know, and then blows up the building with a bazooka. He somehow mistakenly manages to get the, the poison guy bitten by a snake, by a venomous snake. I didn't intend for that to happen. I didn't even mean for that to happen. That's crazy. Um, he, uh, oh, I'm trying to think the, the, uh, the two Russian twins, he murders them in their bed and then makes it look like they were uh, sleeping with each other. He blows up his own tomb and uh crushes poor gabe's the computer geek's head um there's a there's a guy with a mechanical arm that he uses uses the mechanical arm to like choke him out because it pinches the mechanical head will pinch every time the battery powers down so he gets him to waste a bunch of battery and then like puts it up against his neck to choke him out like it's the ways in which he kills all these characters is really really funny <laughs> yeah i didn't really think about that too much and and may, and I guess that for me, I, I there are two things I really love in movies. Um, one thing I really really love in movies is a get is a really good getting the band together, like or putting the team together montage. And this movie's got honestly a pretty good one where you start meeting all the individual members of the gang one by one, and then he starts like recruiting people and bringing people in. Like I think all that is really fun and really well done. Uh, and then another thing I like in a movie is where um, characters just start dying in completely ludicrous ways. Uh, and this movie does both of those things in the same movie. Um, ridiculous and often ironic ways, which is pretty much how every character in this movie who dies, dies. Like the guy whose thing is poison, he gets bitten by a venomous snake. The guy with the mechanical arm gets choked by his own arm. Uh, the computer guy gets crushed by a tombstone. Okay, that one's not really ironic, but still, like the most of the deaths in this are pretty fun and pretty ironic. And I don't know, I thought that I liked that a lot. I, I had a good time with that. Uh, it gives off some Suicide Squad vibes. Mm -hmm. it's, it's it's fine. Yeah, it's just fine. Okay, I just I'm just I'm just saying I 
thought it was funny. I laughed a lot. Um, and, and I did. I, I, I found myself laughing throughout this movie. So, or as I don't think I cracked a smile until Arnold came on the screen. And then I, then I was having just a grand old time. I loved every minute of the last 30 minutes. Yeah. The last, the last half hour, again, the last half hour of this movie is, is pretty much comedy gold. It's, it's kind of undeniable. It's very good. It is. Um, it's, it's a payoff. Like maybe, maybe the fact that the rest of the movie, I didn't find funny, but still build to that. It's still built to that moment. Right. The, the well, payoff is also what what made it good too, I suppose. And that's why Arnold's role, despite it pretty much being stunt casting, that's why you need a big name in that role is because the first hour of the movie is all about how good this guy is. And so you need to cast an actor that can convey that kind of charisma that we have this kind of built in knowledge of that. Oh, this guy is great because here's the thing. We've seen the all the incredible action movies that Arnold has done. We've seen Terminator. We've seen Commando. We've seen Predator. Uh, we've seen True Lies and Last Action Hero. Like we've seen all these really great movies that he's done over the course of his career. We know what the man is capable of. So when he shows up at the end as Gunther, um, it's a, it's not surprising because he's on the poster, but B, it's also not terribly surprising because, oh, of course it's Arnold. He's the guy who's this good. I almost wish they wouldn't have spoiled it. I almost wish that, that it would have been a surprise that it was Arnold at the end. That would have been cool. But again, that's you're not selling this movie on the backs of Taron Killam, Bobby Moynihan and Hannah Simone. You no, know, you're not. No, not, not at all. Although, see, we lost the plot a little bit, Stephen. What's what was the sequel going to be? Okay, so the sequel for this, the, the there is a a an end credits stinger uh, that says Gunther will return in the Gunther who loved me parentheses if this movie makes any money. Spoiler alert: it did not. <laughs> Look, they knew. They, I mean, yeah, they they knew. But uh, but the idea that they had this sequel lined up called the Gunther who loves me honestly leads me to believe that it might have been kind of a similar format, but it's Kobe Smulders character who is uh, Blake and who is the ex lover of both Blake and Gunther um, kind of getting revenge for um, Gunther killing Blake. And, and so going after Gunther uh, is kind of the idea that I had uh, watching the end of this movie. Cause you know, the whole time he's like, I can tell you guys still have feelings for each other. Just walk away, have the happy ending. And then uh, that doesn't happen. Well, so I guess that's another one of my issues with the movie. So let's break that down for a second because sure. she doesn't she doesn't have any reason to get revenge. She's perfectly happily remarried and talks about how except she, for the she, fact she, that she Gunther, thought Blake changed and didn't. Uh, I mean, except for the fact that Gunther is the one that set her and her husband up, so it's kind of a sham marriage. Yeah, I guess depends on how you look at it. If, sure. If, I mean, just because Gunther set them up, that doesn't mean that they had to fall in love and get married. But he also, couldn't have forced that to happen. But also Blake was on the run um, and he comes back at the end to finally get his revenge on Gunther uh, and then dies in the process. So Gunther essentially kills him at the end. He hadn't killed him before. So Blake was still kind of out there nebulously alive, but knowing that he's was alive the whole time and has died, how might that affect her? I don't know. I'm just I'm just spitballing. I think it would be a fun premise for a movie. For a sequel. Well, I, I think it would salvage something I had a problem with about this movie is that they build to this like Blake and Lisa getting back together and you know and then you get that sort of happy ending for them as well mm-hmm. and then they just kind of destroy any sort of character that they had 
built with Blake throughout this movie. And I mean, look, am I looking too much into this because it's a goofy comedy? Maybe. But at the same time, you're doing this thing where there's character growth and then you just kind of throw it all away for a funny joke at the end, uh, which I, you know, not a fan of. Sure. Sure, sure. And you know what would have been really funny, Brett, is if the guy, that, the actor that played Dave, Kobe Smulders husband, had been played by um, the actor who played Ted in How I Met Your Mother. I mean, that'd have been funny. Because yeah. what's that guy doing right now? Um, I'm sure he's doing something. Let's let's find out, shall we? Josh Radner, what are you up to these days? I'm going to I'm going to find out what Josh Radner was doing in 2017. Probably not much. Uh, this is kind of one of the like how I met your mother is kind of one of those roles like he does it. And then after that, it's just like the thing he's always known for. Uh, so 2017, uh, he had done a movie called The Seeker. Oh, he was on a TV show. Uh, called okay. Mercy Street. So, cool. uh, I mean, he might have been able to do it on hiatus. Something tells me Dave is not a super demanding role. No, I don't think it was. No, not at all. Um, but I don't know. I, I I thought this movie was really funny. I would have liked to have seen a, a sequel with Arnold kind of being, um, you know, very energetic. Or it could be like another maybe Gunther's going after someone else. And so it's from Gunther's perspective and kind of the, hey, how I did it. This is funny kind of thing. And then at the end, you get like another kind of big action star that kind of pulls the wool over his eyes. And we take it from there. Sure. Anything. Anything would have been good. Honestly, I would have enjoyed it if Arnold was in it doing Arnold things. Which, uh, I mean, he absolutely is. And, and like we've said, best part of this movie. I feel like we're kind of broken records at this point. But here's the thing. There's not a lot to this movie. No, we, we're, we're running into this problem uh, that we run into every once in a while where we're just, we don't got a whole lot to talk about, guys. Uh, and here's the thing. If, if there were more information available about this movie, we'd probably have a lot more to discuss. Uh, if I had, you know, Taron Killam's cell number and I'd, you know, just be able to call him up and say, hey, you want to you want to guest on the pod? Uh, you know, and to be fair, uh, I have his email address, but he told me never to use it. So. Yeah, we don't really want to revisit that scenario. Right. Like most of our celebrity fans, uh, they don't like to talk about the fact that they like our show. So if you ask them about it point blank, they will deny it. I mean, it's a real like Illuminati thing behind the scenes. Like, don't don't say I that think, out loud. I think you're like, saying too much, Brett. I, mean, I might be saying a little bit too much. Like for someone who doesn't like to give peeks behind the curtain, you are revealing a lot right now. I, I am. Like, you know, this doesn't happen often, but I will say literally no more. Okay. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I am legitimately worried about releasing this episode as is. You might want to bleep all this out. Will do. Or maybe like put some like kind of music over the top. Just, you know, like uh, we're having technical difficulties. We'll be right back. Yeah, sure. I'll totally do that. <laughs> I believe you. You should. You've given me no reason not to. I haven't. <laughs> So remember earlier, Brett, when I said this movie made no money? Yeah, I do. I was not exaggerating. Uh, this movie was released on VOD in September 22nd of 2017 and got an incredibly limited theatrical release on October 20th of the same year by Saban Films, Brett. Oh, how far are you fallen from Power Rangers? Um, I mean, this, this would count as one of those... Uh, Power Rangers, uh, did this, when did Power Rangers come out? Do you remember? Was it the same year? 
It might have been. That's it was. Crazy. Power Rangers comes out in March. Killing Gunther comes out in October. So this movie came out um, just, you know, a scant, what, eight months after Power Rangers did. So yeah. Saban had a great 20. 20- no, he didn't. He had a bad 2017. What am I saying? Yeah. Uh, both of his movies flopped. Well, there there were other movies, according to their uh, Wikipedia page. Uh, let me run down this list of movies that Saban Entertainment released in 2017. Uh, you're going to hate it. War on Everyone. Mm-hmm. The Girl with All the Gifts. Mm-hmm. Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. The Assignment. Okay. The Hunter's Prayer. All right. Kill Switch. This keeps going. The Last Face. Oh, we're not even to Killing Gunther yet. How many more are there? Shot Collar. We're in August right now. Okay. Gun Shy. Mm-hmm. Blood Money. Killing Gunther. Oh, there we go. 24 Hours to Live. Bullethead. And finally, Brett, releasing three days before Christmas, the Al Pacino film Hangman. Uh, Hangman, that wonderful, feel-good family Christmas film starring Al Pacino. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, a good cast, uh, Al Pacino, Carl Urban and Brittany Snow. I like Brittany Snow. She's great. Um, but yeah, like, um, yeah. So, uh, no, I would not say Saban Entertainment had a good 2017. The, the, the only movie that anyone has heard of in that lineup is Power Rangers because it's Power Rangers. Yeah, just uh, apparently Saban's philosophy is quantity over quality. So if you look at the domestic box office numbers on thenumbers.com, they are 0.0. And if you look at the worldwide box office for Killing Gunther, it is also 0.0. This movie made absolutely nothing in the box office in its very uh, limited theatrical release. But what did make money that weekend of October 20th, 2017 uh, number one at the box office opening this week is this title is insane to me. Tyler Perry's boo Two exclamation point, a Medea Halloween, uh, which opens to twenty one point two million dollars. What uh, what weekend is this? <clears throat> this is the weekend of October 20th, 2017. OK, OK. So, you know, just, you know, uh 11 days before Halloween. We're getting a, a Medea Halloween movie. Just in time for Halloween. I have seen Boo 2 a Medea Halloween. It is real, real bad. Uh, yeah, I don't got to see it to know that. Uh, in second place, also new this week, is the movie Geostorm, uh, which opens at $13.7 million. In third place, down from number one in its second weekend, uh, a movie that you and I both enjoy, Happy Death Day. Oh, hell yeah which has earned over the course of its two weeks uh, about $40.7 million. Uh, Down uh, from number two to number four in its third week is Blade Runner 2049, um, a movie that has made at this point $74 million at the box office. And rounding out the top five, we have also new this week, Only the Brave, uh, which opens to $6 million. Uh, in the rest of the top 10, we've got Foreigner, The Foreigner. I think that's that Jackie Chan movie. Uh, in seventh place, we have It, which ended up being It Chapter One, uh, which in its, its seven weeks has earned over $320 million at the box office. 
Uh, in eighth, uh, a, a future episode of this podcast, The Snowman, uh, Mr. Uh, which is new this week. It opened at eight. Oof. Uh, in ninth place, American Made. And in tenth place, a movie I know you're quite fond of, uh, Kingsman, colon, The Golden Circle. Uh, that's another hell yeah. A lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Uh, one of three movies that year to feature um, the song uh, Country Roads Take Me Home in a prominent, like, plot-centric way. That song got super popular because not only was it for three movies, um, it was also featured in the trailer for Fallout 76. Um, yeah, I mean, but yeah, it was in Kingsman the Golden Circle, it was in Alien Covenant, and it was in Logan Lucky. Like three movies that came out that year where that song is like the prominent song. The Denver estate cleaned up in 2017. Yeah. Four separate properties, two two of which I would say are pretty big. Properties. Mm-hmm. Three, okay. three, actually, because Kingsman, Fallout and Alien. Yeah. Uh, insane. Mm-hmm. Making so much money. Like, I don't know who decided to put that song back into the zeitgeist at the same time, but good for them. Sure. Country um, roads take me home. To the place where I belong. West Virginia. <laughs> uh, yeah, you beat me to it. All right. Well, I mean, you were right there. You could have just kept going. I we'd, we'd have synced up. It'd have been fine. Yeah. Uh, the Tomatometer score on Killing Gunther is a 46%, to which I say rude. Uh, despite a game cast led by an enjoyably over-the-top Arnold Schwarzenegger, Killing Gunther feels like a sketch overstretched to feature length, which is... Pretty much exactly what you said. Yep. I mean, exactly what you said. Uh, I forgot to look this movie up in uh, Metacritic, but the Metascore, uh, the Metascore for this movie is a 53 based on mixed or average reviews from seven critics. And the average letterbox score is a 2.3. Brett, out of five stars, how did you end up ranking Killing Gunther? I gave it. The deuce. Drop the deuce on it. I dropped the deuce on it. I gave it two stars. Whereas I I was a little more favorable. I gave it three because I had fun with this movie. But again, just like Polar, this is a movie that I'm like, I had fun, but I recognize this is not a great movie, but I really enjoyed this movie. So, you know, it is okay to like a movie. It is okay to like a bad movie. And damn it, if I didn't think this movie was a lot of fun. But Brett, that is that's killing Gunther. That is our episode on Killing Gunther. And I feel I feel a little bad that this is the movie that we're closing out all about Arnold April. Like we've been kind of talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger for the for the entirety of this month, looking at kind of the breadth of his career, the highs, the lows, uh, the befores, the afters. Um, Let's let's take some time and share kind of our final thoughts. Let's let's give our quote unquote, final words on Arnold. Brett, what are, what, what's your general consensus on Arnold? Has this month done anything to change your mind? Um, let's, let's talk Arnie a little bit. No, it hasn't changed my mind at all. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, maybe one of the greatest action stars of all time. Uh, had a just iconic early career, uh, you know, a middling middle career, um, hit or miss on a lot mm-hmm. of things. Um, and then, you know, does politics and then just kind of go- goes out with a whimper. I mean, he's not dead, but like he's like his career is just kind of he's he's retiring gracefully, I would say, just doing what he wants to do. Right. I mean, he's not really retiring either. Like, here's the thing. Up until 
Ivan Reitman died earlier this year. Like he was plant they like twins was happening. Or triplets, or triplets or I guess. Whatever, yeah. Yeah. Triplets with uh him and Danny DeVito and uh should have been Eddie Murphy, but was going to be Tracy Morgan. Oh, uh, okay. Instead, who's like like 10 years younger than all those guys, but whatever. But like that was happening until Reitman died. And I wonder if that's going to be another thing where Jason's like, I, I got it. I'll take it. But I mean, is he is he back for the afterlife sequel? Do we know that yet? Uh, no confirmation. Uh, the sequel has just been announced that it is happening. We know literally nothing else. OK, um, fair enough. Uh, so, I mean, I can I can see Jason stepping in there. Honestly, there's more of a chance that we might actually be able to cover twins on this podcast just because the, I feel like there's a very good opportunity that that project might have died with Reitman, unless Arnold's really willing to kind of shepherd it. But no, I, I, I like Arnold. Arnold, I've always kind of been really mixed on. So this one, I got to see a lot more of his versatility. Like I always saw the comedic run that he insisted on doing in the nineties as kind of a bit of a mistake to kind of sully his image like that. But really it gave him a broader appeal. Like, I don't know if you or I would know who Arnold Schwarzenegger was quite as well without entry points like kindergarten cop or junior or twins where that allow us to kind of see him as a family friendly comedic character or, you know, for maybe some younger millennials, uh, maybe jingle all the way like those become an entry point to an actor that then you go back and, and visit some of his more serious work. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's really great. Well, yeah, look at like compare him to other action stars mm -hmm. of his same type. Like instead of going to comedy, Sylvester Stallone does more like drama. He's always does like Rocky and does more dramatic roles. Which is not to say he doesn't try his hand at comedy, but no one no. really liked Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. No, he, he tried it and it didn't mm -hmm. work. Right. So he, he went a different route to sort of expand his reach. Yeah. But then you go look at like Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal were like, they were just like, we're going to be action stars and that's all we're going to be. And nobody cares anymore. Well, uh, Van Damme went through a renaissance, I think a year or two ago with the show um, JCVD, uh, which I re remember people saying was actually really good and really fun. Um, whereas it's kind of like a meta commentary on his life as an actor and kind of some of the roles that he's taken. Uh, which sounds really fun and apparently he's very good in it. So I wouldn't mind checking that out. Uh, but yeah, Seagal has basically become a parody of himself at this point. Yeah. Apparently takes himself way too seriously. Is 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 not, he doesn't have the staying power other than just being a joke. Right. So, and I mean, really the only one who has kind of the longevity and I would say even the, the versatility of Arnold is Bruce Willis, who, you know, because of his illness, kind of in the latter part of his career, was forced to take, you know, a lot of roles in nothing movies, nothing roles in nothing movies, uh, where he basically so they can put his picture on the poster. Um, you know, it's it's very much a Nicolas Cage situation where they're in a lot of really bad movies. The difference is that Willis was kind of there to get a paycheck. And again, I will never begrudge him for wanting to do that. Whereas cage is still giving it his all, even though the movie is drag, but Willis is just like the, and again, knowing what we know now, like in hindsight, that makes sense. Um, but for a while, the, the perception was, well, he's, he's done. He's gone. Like he just doesn't care anymore. Um, you know, doing battery car battery commercials and, 
um, you know, showing up for five minutes in, you know, some direct to video movie starring some, you know, faceless young actor who you've never heard of. Uh, whereas Arnold, I guess, you know, due to his like seven years in politics kind of manages to avoid a lot of that. But then it's been kind of a slow wade back into the pool. Like he's not really kind of come back and achieved the level that he had even in 2003 doing Rise of the Machines. Like he he's not quite gotten back to that level yet. I don't I'm not entirely sure he wants to get back to that level. Like, I don't think he does. I think he just wants to. You know, he, he not he doesn't he's he's kind of in the middle. Sure. He doesn't he doesn't want to just come and collect a paycheck, mm-hmm. but he's also he also doesn't want to like commit to a franchise or like be the big action star that he used to be. He just wants to you know he wants to just this want to have some fun doing he, the acting. He doesn't want to commit to a franchise that's not Terminator because that honestly seems like a franchise he's fairly committed to. He's done well, two I mean, of those last three entries. He's he's he you know he committed to that decades ago. Uh, but sure. I mean like a new franchise, but he keeps coming back for them because again, g- despite it all, he is the face of the Terminator franchise. Like you cast him in that first movie and now he's the guy like he is in inextricable. It's the same with like Rocky or Rambo. Like, yeah, they were rebooting and remaking those like crazy, but you know, it's still Stallone. Like Stallone is still the face of those franchises. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, you know, he could probably not come back for a Terminator movie, uh, but, you know, what would be the point? I I would argue Terminator movie, what would be the point, period. Sure, sure. <laughs> but Honestly. Just stop, just stop making them, please. Whenever they make the next Terminator movie, we should just do like a month of Terminator movie. There are at least three episodes worth of Terminator movie because we got three Terminator movies we could potentially cover on the main feed. That's how sad it is. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, they've they've attempted to reboot that franchise three times, and that's insane to me. But, you know, what are you going to do? I would even go out on a limb and say we close out that month, that Terminator month, by doing the movie that just came out. Sure. Why not? <laughs> I would cover that on an episode the week after it comes out. Okay. <laughs> so you heard it here first, folks. The next time they try to reboot the Terminator series, which... Uh, let me see. They did it in 2003. Then they tried again in 2007. So that was four years. And then they tried again in what did we say? 2000. I got I got Arnold's credits pulled up here. Genesis came out in 2015. So it's like another eight years. And then Dark Fate was just four years after that. So here in probably another uh, it's been three years since then. So here in probably another four years or so, they'll try another Terminator movie. Yeah, because here's the thing. If you try to reboot the franchise by bringing back Sarah Connor and you still have Arnold in it and you can't get a sequel off of the back of that. With James Cameron as like produce executive producing and putting like his creative input behind it. Yeah. If you can't get a sequel off of that reboot, you're not going to get a sequel off of a Terminator movie. I'm sorry. For that. Honestly, you kind of have to, at this point, the Terminator franchise really just needs to take a hard left and try something else. If they or want to keep making over. those movies. Yeah. Do a straight, just re like a literal reboot, just remake like a it. Remake. A remake. Just start over. Start over, please. Just start over. And that, I mean, that works about as well for action movies as it does for horror movies. If the 2014 uh, Robocop movie is any indication. Yeah, and honestly, that probably wouldn't work either. So just don't do that. Just give up. Terminator, just stop making Terminator movies. 
But, Full stop. Uh, but but and again, that's and that's why this podcast exists because they can't. Like, <laughs> yeah. They they are incapable of giving up. They're incapable of stopping. They can't and they won't. They, yeah, exactly. That's that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, could they? Maybe. Would they? No, absolutely not. That's free money, my friend. It's an established IP with Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. That just prints money, right? It, yeah, it, something. Uh, no, it doesn't. Here's here's what I here's what I would really like to see. You've we've seen Alien versus Predator. I want to see Alien versus Predator versus Terminator. That would that would be cool. Man, do you remember the the comics and whatnot from back in the day? The Vaguely, Robocop versus Terminator. I mean, hell, I, I'd sign on for that. That was that was a big deal back in the day. I think. I mean, that's something I. Well, I how could I have known we would have gotten into this conversation? But that would have been interesting to do some research on, like, because sure. I'm positive that was a thing they wanted to do when Terminator and RoboCop were at the height of their popularity in the 90s. Yeah, they wanted to do a RoboCop versus Terminator crossover. I, I imagine two things. One, Cameron probably would not allow that. And two, Robo by the time. So 91, is it 91 or 92 that Terminator 2 comes out? Hang on, I've got Arnold's IMDb page pulled up right here. Okay. It is 91. So 91 is when we get Terminator 2. RoboCop 2 comes out in 1990. So if it's going to happen, 92, 93 would probably be the right time. But 93, it's RoboCop 3, which is widely regarded as the worst of that franchise. Yeah, so there there was an entire comic book series, RoboCop versus Terminator. When did that come out? Um, ninety two. Okay, so yeah, ninety two. That would have been the time that they should have done it, like right after RoboCop two, right after Terminator uh, two Judgment Day. Like that would have been the perfect time. And we can take a quick little glance over to the corner. It was also a video game. Ooh, okay. Obviously, uh, was there a Killing Gunther video game, Pratt? No, Stephen, I don't believe there was. Oh, that's that's our loss for sure. So yeah, absolutely, you could have done a crossover movie. Uh, way, would have been way ahead of its time. Hell yeah! Pre Freddy versus Jason, pre Alien versus Predator. Although the Alien versus Predator comics might have been happening around this time too. Uh, that sounds right. I think it it probably would have been better than RoboCop three. Anything's better than RoboCop three. Right. And I will. Here's the thing, though. We will talk about RoboCop 3 uh, one of these days on Unenfranchised with our good friend Brian Kuyper because he's our Fred Decker guy because we can literally talk about every Fred between all of our shows. We can discuss every Fred Decker movie ever made. I'd buy that for a dollar. Hey, there it is. Um, And so that wraps up our All About Arnold month, All About Arnold April, talking about RoboCop uh, just the way you want a month about a month of a month about Arnold Schwarzenegger movies to wrap up talking about a movie he had nothing to do with, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun and we've got a couple more theme months coming um, in, in just a few months. I, I think our next one is literally in two months. So we've got uh, a month of regular episodes and then June we've, who we've knows, got another theme month. Who knows what that'll be? Who, I don't. Who, who possibly knows? It's not like we've ever given any hints as to what it might be. Maybe one of our favorite creators in, in all of history who defined our childhoods in immeasurable ways. Who can whose say? Name, whose name starts with a J so we can get that sweet alliteration. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love that sweet, sweet alliteration. Um, 
at any rate, um, we actually have some cool stuff coming up next month too. So don't, don't skip next month. Uh, we've got some really fun episodes, um, and a couple of really good guests as I recall as well. So it is going to be a fun month. Um, but that does it for our all about Arnold month. What did you think? Did you like it? Were there, uh, were there Arnold movies you wish we had covered instead? Let us know. Disenfranchpod at gmail.com. Uh, and also as are there any other franchise failed franchise starters you want to see us cover if so let us know we'll be happy to cover those for you uh in fact if you suggest one via email chances are very good we'll try to cover it before the end of the calendar year um so that means between now and december we do have some time opening up after september so we're gonna get it on the books but you know we've got a we've got a pretty full full dance card right now so is is happening but uh, but yeah, check us out. Uh, also, we mentioned it earlier in the episode, but disenfran or uh, patreon.com slash disenfranch pod uh, unenfranchised episode on Terminator three rise of the machines coming out on the 30th of this month. So be on the watch for that as well. That's at the five dollar level. There's a three dollar level as well. If you don't want to pony up that much cash, that's fine, too. If you don't want to pay us money, you can also support us by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify wherever you listen to your podcast and giving us some five-star ratings and reviews. That's going to go a long way to helping us find more listeners like you. And we like you. And we think other people like you would also be pretty cool. Uh, So let them know, let us know, uh, and we will appreciate that for sure. Uh, You can find us on all the social medias, which is to say Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Facebook at DisenfranchPod. That's right. Even Elon Musk will not drive us away from Twitter. It will not happen. Well, it's driven Brett away. It's not going to drive me away from Twitter. I don't care. Um, uh, I was driven away before that, but that's true. In, in retrospect, it makes my decision look real good. I was going to say you. It looks like you're the first man off a drowning ship. Honestly, uh, so well done, sir. Because like half my half my timeline right now is like, well, I guess I'm leaving Twitter, and I'm like, but you're still tweeting though. I don't understand. <laughs> it's an addiction. Stop. It, I mean, you're not wrong. Um, but I, Stephen Foxworthy, you can find me on social media, including Twitter, uh, but also Instagram and Letterboxd at Chewy Walrus. Brett, where can we find you? In the words of the immortal Michael Jordan, stop it. Get some help. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram at Letterboxd at sus underscore warlock. Hell yeah, we can. Um, and that is all she wrote for all about Arnold uh, April. It's been a fun month, Brett. Don't you agree? I I would absolutely agree. That's so fun. Uh, would you like to see us do uh, some more theme months based around actors? Um, let us know. Uh, disenfranchpod at gmail.com. What actors would you like to see us couple? Maybe we make this an annual thing. Yeah. Is, is this what April is going to be going forward from now on? Just without the cool alliteration, because that's not going to happen every time. Right. Unless we can find more A actors who have a lot of failed franchise starters under their belt. In which case, hey, maybe. That's very specific, though. It's so specific. It's crazy. Uh, or maybe we can, you know, try to find some alliteration based around, you know, another thing. I don't know. At any rate, let us know. Disenfranchpod at gmail.com. But that wraps up all about Arnold April. We hope you've enjoyed this month as much as we have. Uh, I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, from my co-host, Brett Wright, and myself. Until next time, we'll be back. Uh, He got to the chopper.